chapter 15, the book of Genesis, for this lesson number three in the series of lessons on the life of Abraham. In this text, he's called Abram, A-B-R-A-M. The series of sermons, this being the third, is called Going Not Knowing. You ever done that? And this morning, I want to talk to you about an aspect of his life that is not always in the limelight. Some of a difficult passage. And sometimes I've resisted difficult passages because I just didn't understand them or didn't want to go deeper. I didn't want to figure it out. Figured God knew what he was doing, so he put it in there. But I'm going to tell you something. Nothing in this book God put just because he wanted to fill up a page with black and white ink. Black ink, I should say, on white page. No, God, nothing in this book is wasted. Genesis 15. Oh, my, 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 my. Yeah. When something gets in your shoes beside your feet, you got <laughs> Something run down your spine beside sweat. It's the Holy Ghost. Were you wondering if I was Pentecostal? Chapter 15, verse 5. God brought Abram outside and he said to him, Look towards the heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And so shall your descendants be, God said to him. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And Abram said to the Lord, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all of these to him and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite of the other. But he didn't cut the birds in two. Verse 11. And when the vultures came down to the, on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, God speaking here. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. And they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with, a, with great possessions. Nurse for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven. And a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. The rest I won't read because it speaks about the boundaries of the covenant. And you can read that on your own. Oh, he is God in this house. Fifteen seconds of prayer for me, would you? Two seconds already gone. Pray for me. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus. I don't want to limit it to 15. I'll take a 20-second blessing. But I ask you, God, come on, everybody pray that we be one. God, the Holy Ghost is here. Don't let anybody be left out. Lord, I, I know that we're not all of the same tradition or background.
uh, or spiritual part in our journey. We're on a journey, but we may not all be at the same place. But I do pray that you'd make us one in the Word and one in understanding and one in application. Touch everyone of every age and category. Uh, refill me with the anointing God and the power of the Lord to bring the Word with clarity and with power and effectiveness. And then you bring the harvest in. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Thank you so much for honoring the Lord and His Word. You may be seated. Keep that passage open if you, if, if you can and hold it nearby. Uh, let, let me just say, among other wonderful things taking place here at the church, South Metro Ministries, I want to offer a reminder to our, all the men in the house. Every Monday night from 7 to about 8.30, we meet together for prayer. Uh, it's not a formal situation where we, you have to be formal. We just come together to bless and encourage one another. And I know we've had other events on Monday evenings, and a couple of those have run their course until next season. But every Monday night, if you'd like to join us for a time of prayer, fellowship, reading scripture, uh, maybe a song or two, we just bless each other. And I want to make you aware of that. If by chance you said one day, I'm going to read the Bible, and wherever it falls open, I'm going to read it there. Because it's the Bible. Well, I don't recommend that, but... Sometimes I'm so desperate for a word, I I have done that. I don't recommend just reading it. Because you might be like the one person who decided to do that. And they opened it up and it fell to a place and it said, Judas went and hung himself. I mean, no, he did. You're thinking, that's not what I should I better try again. She opened it to another place and he opened it and he went and said, Go down and do likewise. <laughs> that wouldn't be good, would it? And he tried the third time, and the guy opened the third time, and he's, it says, Whatever thou doest, do it quickly. <laughs> but say you were in one of those moods just to read wherever it fell open, and it fell open to, first, to Genesis 15. You would have some concerns about what kind of God is this? What kind of gory ritual and Sacrifice and heifer and she-goat and cut in half down the middle and lay it out there. And Can I get a witness here? And yet I just said it in the introduction of this text that God never wastes words. But it can sometimes be a little disturbing and alarming. Certain portions of scripture, unless we read them in the context of which they are written. Can I get another amen? I have discovered, if I'm willing to investigate a little deeper in God's word, even though some passages on the surface may seem confusing and unsettling, if I'm willing to dig a little deeper, pray a little harder, pull out a few references, uh, ask a few questions, I can find out the gem, the reason why God put it there. And all often I found that he's put it there for me to be blessed. I hope you'll discover that in our few moments together. Many times when a blessing was given to someone in Scripture, as will be the case here in Abraham, it was done through a covenant relationship with them. When you read Scripture, when God wants to take somebody higher, deeper, more power, more anointing, release them for ministry, give them... The answer to their prayers, as challenging as their lives may be. He does it through a covenant. You remember after the flood, God made a covenant with Noah? Can I get an amen? 
You, you remember that God made a covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai? Give me another amen. You remember he made a covenant with his, his brother Aaron who became the first high priest for the, for the tabernacle? You remember God made a covenant through the years? God made a covenant with Jacob and with David because he's a covenant-making God. And God, through the covenant, would, would usually say something like this, I will bless you if you do this. Meaning God says, I will give you this blessing as a direct correlation to the covenant we made. And if we kept our part of the covenant, God would fulfill His blessing on certain covenants that He transacted. If we fail to keep our part of the covenant, we would walk in the possibility of curse or judgment. Now let me, let me see if I can do a little teaching before I get to the heart of this text. And I'm, and I'm going to take you back to this text, but it may seem like I've forgotten it. But let me, let me just take you to where, where I think the Holy Spirit wants us to be. What does this covenant mean? An appropriate definition in my estimation is what you see on the screen. A covenant is to cut a solemn agreement. But it's more than that. It is negotiated or unilaterally imposed and it binds parties to each other in permanent defined relationships with specific promises, claims and obligations on both sides. Solemn agreement, like a treaty. It's more than just... Saying something, it's sealing something with an act or several acts of the covenant relationship. Uh, Okay, let let me go a little deeper. In in the scripture, I have discovered over the years that there are two types of covenants. The first type of covenant in the scripture is known as a parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y. A parity covenant or treaty is among equals and it is negotiated mutually. It's a type of partnership. It's like people who go in business together and maybe some would, one person would do the financing and the other person would do the, the walking out of the actual work. But in this mutual partnership among equals, this parity, they agree to look out for one another. If there are losses, they will suffer the loss together. If there are profits, they will share the profits together in this business kind of parity transaction. There's another kind of covenant in the scripture that's known as the suzerain covenant. It is, as you see on the screen, a covenant or treaty which is among non-equals. The greater party sets the condition that the lesser either accepts them or rejects them. It is non-negotiable. This suzerain covenant, treaty. It is like a treaty of peace. That at the end of a war, when the victorious nations come together, they set terms of peace. And they render them to the nation that... Or nations that were the offending parties. For example, at the end of the Gulf War, the Allied nations made a treaty, covenant, that from here on out, if this were to occur again, this kind of threat that at that time came from who was once alive, Saddam Hussein. You remember that that war, the, the Gulf War, began with Saddam Hussein invading the small nation of Kuwait, who was not capable by its own limitations and size to defend itself against the armies of then Saddam Hussein. 
And remember, United States included and other allied nations based on our interests in the Middle East got together and drove Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait back into Iraq. And after that, they made a covenant, which was, uh, of course, it was a covenant that was not among equals because Saddam Hussein was not an equal with the allied nations. He was the aggressor. He went to a place he wasn't invited. He caused tremendous destruction and death. And therefore, at the end of that, they were saying, in order to curb his further advance, we're going to make this kind of treaty. But for him, it's not negotiable. Suzerain covenant. In biblical times, there were nine steps in the making of a covenant. They are not all included here in this covenant that God makes with Abraham. So I will not spend time on nine steps, but I will show you very quickly because I want you to see how even though God was a covenant making God of yesteryear, he's a covenant God of today. Give me an amen, somebody. I mean, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, he made a covenant with them to bless them. They broke the covenant. Can I get a witness? Now, let me think about Abraham. Let me think about how it relates to us today. One of the first things of a covenant that I see in Scripture as it relates to learning from the life of Abraham and his life of faith is that of the exchange of robes or garments. I will depart from Abraham for just a moment to talk about this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3, where the Word of God says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant between, because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan and David. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Verse 4, And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now for you to get the context of this is, God had rejected Jonathan's father from being king of Israel. His name was Saul. Because Saul, who was the first king of Israel, handpicked by God, broke covenant with God. God rejected him. And in rejecting Saul, God selected David to be the next king. Not only did God reject Saul from being the next king, but he rejected his entire family. Had everything gone properly and Saul been obedient, the next man in line to ascend to the throne of Israel would be Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan realizes his father disobeyed God. Nothing that Jonathan can do to reconcile that. His father disobeyed. And the next man for the throne is David. Well, Jonathan and David had been uh, uh, buddies and friends in their youth and now their young adulthood. And Jonathan realizing that I still want my family blessed. I still want my home protected. I still want to, uh, to be able to live a life even though my father has lost his, his favor with God. And the next man up I want to make a covenant with and his name is David. And one of the acts of the covenant as I've read in your hearing is that he takes off his robe, if you will, his outer robe and gives it to David. And Jonathan is saying here, I'm giving you my life, all that I have, all that I should have had, I'm giving to you. Because I have the robe of a prince. Meaning that he was groomed to be a prince all his life. From his birth, he was a son of, of course, King Saul. He was destined for the throne. He had been trained, schooled, groomed for kinship. He had everything to live for. He had possessions beyond his imagination. He had money. He had prestige. A son of Saul, Jonathan. He was the next man in the throne. But because God rejected his father, he says, I'm going to make a covenant with the next man so I can still be blessed. And I say all that to tell you that there was a significance to the robe. Because the robe rendered him to be covered, to be honored. 
to be guarded. But he gives it to David. And, and I can't help but go a little further here. I don't want to tarry too long. But I think about how does that relate to today and where we are as we walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got to tell you that long before Jesus came on the scene, Isaiah the prophet talked about this business about God giving us a robe of righteousness at salvation. Can I get an amen somebody? And it's on the screen, so I'll read it to you. The Bible says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Say amen, church. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornament. And as a bride adorns himself with her jewels, so God has clothed me. I've got to tell you, brothers and sisters, that you and I today, while we have regular, everyday, 21st century clothes on, that when the devil sees us, because we are born again by the blood of the Lamb, we have the robe of righteousness around us. We have the garment of the Lord. Can I have an amen, somebody? And so if you're born again, Paul says in Ephesians that we ought to put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 4 and 24, and you should put Put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Can I get an amen? If you are born again because God entered in covenant uh, for us and Jesus died for us, we have a robe of righteousness. And while the devil may see you before he can get to you, he understands that you have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a hand clap. The Bible says none of us can be saved by our own righteousness. None of us can be saved by our own good works because the Bible also says that our own righteousness is like a dirty, filthy rag. Oh, help me. Preach here, somebody. You know, I I thought about the choir and the robe they wear. They wear this robe because they are in the presence of God and it's part of our practice. And and, and so we do it as a a sense of coming into a holy place. Uh, But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, because they're covered with this robe... Uh, they, they don't have to be as elaborate in the outfit that's under the robe. Uh, okay, can I get a can I get a little help here? I'm not saying they don't dress right. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm just saying the robe of righteousness of the Lord covers our covers us because if you look at our heart and our sins and our past, we are like Swiss cheese under the robe. Come on, go ahead and say amen before I start calling names. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, I, I'm trying to tell you that, that God, through Jesus Christ, at Calvary 2,000 years ago, said one day He's going to give us a robe and a crown and give us a brand new name because He is a covenant God. Give the Lord some praise. i got to hurry. Let, let me show you the second of these covenant Activities that our God is. There is the exchange of belts or weapons. Again, Jonathan and David, 1 Samuel 18 and 4. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. The significance here is that the belt on the attire of the male at that time was not just to keep the clothes in a comely fashion. But the belt was the place on which the sword would be carried. And, and other weapons that one might need to defend himself. And Jonathan was saying to David in this covenant breaking, or covenant making I should say, relationship. I'm giving you all my means of defense. 
You are my covenant friend, and should I need defense in the future, I am going to trust that our relationship is so sound that you will come to my aid. Because I can't help myself without you. Can't help me here, somebody. Are you all thinking all out with me? Yeah. You know what else that meant when he gave him his belt where he could carry his sword? Jonathan is also saying, in the future, there will be no means of me hurting you if I change my mind. And somebody says, well, David took your father's throne. He is just a, he's just a, a, a person who is mutinous. So you should go after David and take back your own throne. If, and he said, later on down the road, if I get that thought in my mind, I will have no belt to carry, no, no kind of sword or dagger that can come after you. Therefore, in the future, my covenant yours says, David, you don't have to fear for me ever coming back to hurt you. And I don't have to fear for you hurting me because we are in covenant together. You are my defense. Oh, you, you see, what does that mean for us today? For us today, it means that the Bible says in Ephesians six thirteen, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. One of the armors that Paul says that we put on as a Christian, not literal phys- physical armor, but symbolically the word, the, he says, put on the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth is, of course, the belt of truth. And, and the fact of the matter is that the Bible says you shall know the truth of God's Word and it shall make you free. It shall be your defense. Can I get another amen? And I want you to understand that when God makes covenant with us as He has through Abraham, and we are the recipients of Abraham's blessings through faith in God, can I get another amen? That God says you won't need to carry a belt with weapons or any kind of other thing to fight the devil. I will be the one who fights your battle for you. Can I, can I get a name? And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God who are pulling down of strongholds. Jesus said, stand back. God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I will fight your enemy. I will fight the cancer. I will fight the attacks. I will fight the demons. I will fight the devil. I will give you a sound mind. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will lift up a flag, a standard. He is your warrior. He is your captain. He is your Lord. Give me this, Brian. Somebody ought to clap your hand. Oh, blessed be the Lord. The battle is not yours. You don't have to stay up night popping pills so you can go ahead and fight the devil. Go to sleep. God's wide awake. He is your Lord. Put on the belt of truth. There's some stuff the devil wants to kill you with. Yes. Some of you have lost loved ones prematurely in accidents or acts of violence. You thought, my God, how would I ever live? And the Lord says, I'll be your son, I'll be your daughter, I'll be your mother, I'll be your father. Somebody ought to say amen. He, he is the one who fights our battles. And I'm telling you when, you, when you come to understand, I love what Deuteronomy says about the Lord. It says in Deuteronomy 20 and 4, For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. Yeah, I, I'm telling you. If all you got is, he somebody says, oh, but the foes of the enemy are numerous against me. How many know you and God, you and God are a majority? 
How many of you God all by himself? <laughs> I'm going to preach on a little bit here. I got to keep rolling. There's a third part of this covenant making transaction that involves the exchange of names. The exchange of names today in our culture is what we call the power of attorney. We understand that, right? We understand when, when someone who may be sick and, and uh, entering a phase of their illness that may make them uh, uh, somewhat incoherent to transact financial situations on their own behalf. They give the power of attorney to a relative or someone they trust saying, you sign my checks, you sign the documents, you sign the important paper. You signing your name on my papers is as significant and meaningful as me signing my own name. Power of attorney. Therefore, it means to act in another person's name is to, is to do what they would do and think like them and behave like them. You ever heard this business called LifeLock? You heard it advertised, LifeLock? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Let me make sure I'm not preaching to myself. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Identity protection. You, you know why the identity protection business is striving in America? Because there are a lot of crooks out there that used up their names. And they ain't, ain't pardon the grammar, they ain't got no more good name. Yeah. They, done got, they had um, their mother give them a name and their daddy and they should have used it right and honorable and pay their bills, take care of their situations, not get involved in crime or illegal behavior. But they done went and used up that name and they, they, they're looking for your social security number. They're looking for your credit card number. Uh, you took all your years to get your good name and get your good credit rating and have a good name. And now somebody out there is waiting to steal your name. <laughs> when, when Jesus died on the cross, as good as some of our names are, and as a preacher, I, I try my best to keep my name good. But just not just as a preacher, just as a man, a father, a Christian. Can we all say amen? But as good as your name and my name may be, it can't run no demons anywhere. Good name. I got, I got to tell you this. I probably don't have to tell you this. Uh, speaking of guarding your name, every time it seems that I travel out of town by myself without my wife, ministry related and otherwise, it seems I invariably, it doesn't seem it's a fact, I leave something in the hotel room by forgetting. My wife always reminds me, check it twice. And I make it a point because I have lost things. I've lost stuff at the airport, on the plane, in the hotel. And this week I traveled out of town to do a ministry item in Cleveland, Tennessee with Dr. Paul Walker for the Church of God. Checked in on Tuesday night and prepared myself by studying prayer. Got up early and did the same. And it was only one night. How much things do you need for one night, Bubba? So I gathered all my things. My appointment was to be at 10.30. I looked under the sheet thinking, I'm going to beat my wife on this one this time, buddy. I ain't leaving nothing. I looked. I didn't put nothing in the fridge, but I opened it up and looked in it. <laughs> Just in case. Didn't use any drawer in the cabinets. Just looked in it. Cause I, I, yeah, I'm not leaving nothing. I get home. 
doing my thing and unpacking. And my glasses, my reading glasses that I've only had for five weeks that was considerably costly in a nice solid case was not with me. (laughs) I'm thinking my wife wins again. But wait, I got a plan. She don't have to win. Because if she don't know, she won't win. So I called the hotel. I was there. My name is. I was in room so-and-so. Did you find a pair of glasses? Yes. Is it so? Yes. Would you like a, Yes, please send it. Send it. Send it. However you send it by... by send it by uh, whatever. UPS grounds. or Whatever. Send it. And I'm thinking, that's it. It's going to come. It's going to get here. She works in the day. Sometimes she works in the evening. It will get here. I'll stick it on these nose and I'll be on my way and she won't have a clue. And if in the future I need to tell her, then fine. A good name. A good name. We had dinner on Friday evening. Came home about 10 to 6. Minding my own business. And there in the front yard of our house was the largest UPS truck in the whole UPS fleet of trucks. The largest one. It didn't send a small one. It sent the one that carries airplanes inside the truck. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Not really. The guy is walking over the lawn to the front door of the house, and to which my wife says, Did I order anything? I see if I can curb this, not say too much. No, I don't think. Uh, did you? Uh, it's it's for me. I think it's for me. I did tell her that. Well, how many knows the curiosity of? Yeah. And she she won again. It's my glasses, honey. I left it in the hotel. Uh. When I was a teenager trying to hide stuff from my mama, my God, God was always on my mama's side. Now that I got married, God's on my wife's side. But, but here's the part that you'll remember more in this story because it's true. You'll remember this. I'm talking about a good name. When I call the hotel about my glasses, the gentleman on the other side said, and we found a part of a woman's two-piece swimsuit in the room. Did you leave that there? I said, sir, I didn't go to swim. I didn't go to pool. It was me alone. Don't send me that. Can you imagine if my wife, I opened that box and there was my glasses and a part of a woman's. Can you imagine my name would be Mud Matura for the rest of my life? So it probably worked out a lot better than I thought, didn't it? But even if my name is clean, it can't drive devils. But here's the covenant of Jesus, and i got to hurry. In John 14, 13, Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask, say these words, in my name. 
whatsoever you shall ask in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son I'm trying to hurry here in that same book of John the Bible says in chapter 15 verse 16 uh, whosoever whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name I will do it Peter and John came out of their place of worship one day pardon me of their place of work one day in the book of Acts and they were headed to the temple at the hour of prayer and there was a beggar at the gate of the temple asking alms of all the worshipers and Peter looked at the man and said silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise up and walk and the Bible he said he went running and leaping and praising the Lord because in the covenant with God there is a name above all names at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father you can use his name today clap your hands when you lay down on a migraine headache comes on say in the name of Jesus when you get in your car and you don't know how safe you're going to be say in the name of Jesus when you send your kids to school say in the name of Jesus when you get a bad report from the doctor say in the name of Jesus when you run out of money and there's still some months left say in the name of Jesus Shakata. that's the covenant God you can use his name I don't know why I get so wound up. This is the last of the thoughts I'm going to give you. But it may not be the end. (laughs) After you do this belt stuff and this robe stuff and this name stuff, I'll take you back to Abraham. Verse 9, I meant to have there, but I have 10. Verse 9, God says to him, now we're going to cut the covenant. And verse 9 says, so God told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he, look verse 10. He brought all of these to where God said. And Abraham did what God said. He cut the animals in two down the middle. Okay? So it wouldn't be horizontally. It would be vertically. You, you watching me now? Get the idea. He cuts them like this. So you have, for the heifer, two legs here, two legs here. He's in half, and there's a path. Between these halves. For the goat cuts them down the middle. Okay? Places them on the ground in the presence of God. God said, go do that. And these animals are bleeding. And in the treaty of that time of the covenant making, cutting the covenant between leaders. The leaders would stand in the midst of those pieces. Leader to leader. And as the blood puddled around their feet, they would share covenant words with one another in cutting the covenant, the blood covenant. They would say words like this, standing among the pieces and the bleeding. Leaders would say something like this. I choose this day to die to myself and live to bless you, my covenant partner. They would say, I make my decisions and order my life with you in mind from this day forward. Seeking always what is best for you ahead of myself. The one leader would say it to them about he and his nation. And the other leader would say to him, 
in repeating it, the words to the ones with whom he's making covenant. My army is your army. My resources are your resources. My livestock, should you need them, would be yours. We're standing in this puddle of blood. And if either of one of us break the covenant, may we become as these animals are. That's pretty serious stuff. May we be cut in half and laid dead on the ground if I break my covenant. I'm going to tell you something here. Help me, Holy Ghost. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to Calvary. Before he ascended, he said, For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I I want to tell you that you can't get any more serious than a blood covenant. Look at Romans 3.25 on the screen. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins. The people of Israel knew about the blood covenant. They, they, came out, they came out of Egypt when the last plague completed this work on the people of Egypt. They came out of Egypt when the firstborn son of all the Egyptians would be killed. When the firstborn of the animals would be killed. And the only way that Israel and the people of God who lived in Egypt for 400 years. That's the 400 years the Lord was talking about when Abraham had a vision of him and said, Your your people will be strangers. Isn't it in the text? Your people will be strangers in a strange land. They'll be servants and slaves. That's the 400 years they were slaves. The only way they escaped their firstborn dying was by the blood of the Lamb. That they were told to kill and spread its blood over the doorposts of their house and over the entranceway. And when the death angel went to kill all the firstborn in the land, wherever the death angel would see the blood of the the blood of the lamb, the death angel would not come near that house or that people. When Jesus died on Calvary 2,000 years ago, he didn't have anybody else walking in the covenant with him. Can I get an Amen. I'm telling you, when God made the covenant with Abraham and his animals, laid it down, the Bible says there appeared a burning fire, a smoking furnace. Abraham did not walk in the covenant when God sealed it. Did you remember reading that? Because Abraham wasn't God's equal. Can I get an amen? God was not going to make a covenant with somebody of sub-level who couldn't keep his word. But when Jesus died and his flesh was rent in twain and he bled in the middle of that puddle of blood. The Bible says the Lamb of God and His blood washes away the sins of the world. I tell you this morning, you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And when the devil comes in and the demons of hell come in to kill you and to attack you, they won't come near because the blood I said, the blood of Jesus is your covering today. Stand up to your feet and give the Lord some clap like He deserves this morning. Come on, praise him out loud. I said the blood will never lose its power. 
I said the blood will never lose its power. The covenant. Abraham didn't walk among those pieces. God walked by himself. Because God couldn't swear by anybody who was his equal. There was nobody his equal and nobody greater than him. So he swore by himself. You listen to me. You don't need to leave here dragging stuff behind you that God says you can leave with me. Let me tell you about God's covenant of salvation. And I'm not giving you a license to sin, but I'm giving you a license to be free. God's covenant of salvation isn't contingent upon you or me or our righteousness. Can I get an amen? God said to Abraham, I'm going to keep my covenant. Whatever you do, I know your people are going to come out of Egypt and they're going to serve idol gods. I'm going to bless them and they'll go back into sin, a bunch of heathens. But I'm going to bless who I said I'm going to bless. I got to tell you this. Put this one up on the screen real quick. In order for you to stay blessed though, the Bible says, after Abraham cut up the animals, the vultures came down. Did, you, did I read that for you? The vultures, is it on there, Rachel? There it is. The vultures came down on the carcasses. That drive them away. There's some stuff I'm praying over now and the vultures trying to eat it up. Did you all hear me? There's some answers I'm waiting for. Some people I'm praying that God heals. And there's one of my sisters right back there beside her husband. Her name is Jarita Glass. I'm praying over that. I ain't going to let the vultures of cancer come eat her up while I can watch over her. Did you hear what I said? I got some strength. She may not have all the strength, but I ain't letting a vulture take my covenant for her healing in Jesus' name. Come on, help me here, somebody. Yeah. I, I got some precious people in this church, like Charles Stanley, who suffered a stroke. He's just about, he's getting back there. He was in the first service. And Charles, is, he's a man full of the Holy Ghost. He ain't totally there. And the vultures would like to come down and say to him, God only going to partially heal you. Abraham drove away the vultures. If you're praying over your marriage to be saved, the vultures are going to try to come and eat it up. If you're praying to get out of debt, you're tithing and giving, the devil's going to try to send vultures to eat up your money and tell you, God doesn't need your money. If you're praying over your son or your daughter, who is sick you're praying over having a sound mind you're praying over somebody to get off, off of drugs and alcohol and pornography you lay your sacrifice and you stand in the middle of it and you drive the vultures away by the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb clap your hands and praise Him you have a part in this covenant I said, you have a part in this covenant. You don't sit back in an easy chair and grab a remote and get a Coca-Cola and say, God, you said it, now do it. No, you got to drive the vultures. you got to pray. you got to fast. you got to give. you got to love. But I guarantee you'll get a whole lot more than you give. Bow your heads. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, you hurry up here if you can, please, ladies and gentlemen. And after I pray this prayer over this whole house... And you got some vultures you got to drive. You need to come up to this altar. Let somebody help you drive vultures with you. Head bowed and eyes closed. Don't let your pride get in the way. You have a responsibility. God won't fail, but He's not willing to give blessed people so they can abuse it, their blessings. Head bowed and eyes closed. Pastor Matura. I need that robe of righteousness you talked about. Because if I go, if I were to die today, or Jesus come, ain't nothing in my name, or my clothing, or my belt that could save me I need to make it right with God I may fool other people pastor I may even fool the ones who are closest to me but I can't fool myself and God pastor I want to be sure I'm right with God raise your hands if that's you raise your hands hold, hold it up if that's you come on hold it up bunch your hands thank you Jesus for your boldness and your faith put them down 
Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, I have left the load of this covenant with God. Little wonder I'm not getting blessed as I should. I'm saved, but I've let Him carry the load, and I haven't always kept my part. I need to drive some vultures away for my life. I don't want a part of the blessing, Pastor. I want the whole blessing. If that's you, raise your hand. i got some dreams and visions going to have to come, but I'm willing to do my part. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody, look at the preacher. Take both of your hands in this posture and raise them up to the Lord. Point your gaze towards the roof and imagine that you're looking into the clouds and beyond the clouds. Imagine you're looking at the face of God. And say after me, everybody, Lord Jesus, thank you for your covenant. It is because of your covenant that I'm saved. Because of your covenant, if I've sinned, I can be forgiven. Today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for breaking covenant. Today, Lord, put your robe of righteousness on me. Put your belt of truth around my waist. Come on, say it. Put your helmet of salvation on my head. Lord Jesus, I ask you today, by the power of your name and the power of your blood, to help me to keep covenant. I will separate myself from the vultures. I will chase them away. I belong to you. I am saved. And I move forward to greater things in you. Amen. Put your hands together. Give a lot of praise. Come on. Put, put, come on. I know I, have, I ask you to do it all the time. And, and they're going to sing in just a minute. And I want you to sing with them before you go. But listen. You know the Holy Ghost says, go down there one more time. Just go stand. It, it doesn't matter. Nobody appears waiting to see who will come to where. It's just in the presence of God. And the devil will say, you've been up there 15 times. devil ain't going to heal you, bless you, or strengthen you. He's just going to keep you from your blessing. Say, devil, no, you're wrong. I've been there 16 times. And now it's number 17. Yeah, yeah. Because you're a friend of God. And he's waiting on his friends. Sing, sing, sing if you will. Come if you need prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who am I that you are mine? Get the praise in you before you go. I'll let you go in a minute, but put your hands together right now.